ride with me in my foul life. What's up, what's up, what's up? The Foul Life Podcast back at you. Today's episode of the podcast, we're talking hunting, we're talking women in the outdoors, we're talking dogs, sporting dogs, duck dogs. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Dogtra. We depend on Dogtra for all of their training callers. We believe in well-behaved, well-mannered, polite gentlemen and lady dogs. I don't want a dog jumping up on somebody's lap or jumping up and licking them when they're not expecting. A lot of people think that's cute. It could be, but in most instances, I refuse to let it happen. So we deserve to have a well-mannered dog, and the dogs deserve it. They're going to live a much better life. And Dogtree is committed to bringing us the training devices and collars that allow us to ethically train our pets, man's and women's best friends, our duck dogs, the ones that are doing all the works during our pheasant hunts, quail hunts, chucker hunts, duck hunts, goose hunts coon hunts rabbit hunts i love watching dogs chase bears and mountain lions or cougars whatever you like to call them dogs are just awesome they're wonderful to have around and they're so much better than cats yep i said it dogs are better than cats my guest today might agree with me i don't know she's a woman she might like a little cuddly kitten on her lap anna v what's up don't go and start insulting me with the cat lover I didn't say you were a cat lover. I said you could <laughs> like to hold a cat once in a while. No, no cats here. I'm allergic to them. I feel like even if I wasn't allergic to them, I would tell people I was allergic to them so they would just keep them away from me. I'm just a dog girl. You're That's a dog it. girl? Yeah. I love my dogs. What other kind of girl are you? What other stuff? What did you do before you found shooting and hunting well i was in the horses but i was i was really happy to see that pass but recently i actually joined an mma gym but i mean i'm just going for kickboxing training up in my middle management all for bird dogging i'm loving it how tall are you five six Oh, I thought you were taller than that. And the, the camera's deceiving. You look like you're 5'9", 5'10", in your pictures. Maybe you're just standing <laughs> next to short girls. Maybe. <laughs> so this MMA deal, are you learning all of the all of the disciplines of MMA, jiu-jitsu and boxing and wrestling and karate and taekwondo and and, and grappling and all of the submit all of the chokes and everything? Um yeah, getting into it when I'm here in Wisconsin, I'm not in my gym. But when I'm in Georgia, I've been in Muay Thai class and then Taekwondo two nights a week a piece. So I'm there four days a week. And then um, also I got privates two days a week. So, yeah, I'm just loving it. My kids are there. Tater's a orange belt boxing in the ring with the boys. Loving every <laughs> she's there like four nights a week, too. So, yeah, we have like classes at the same time. So do you see yourself getting in there and competing? If I was 20 years younger. <laughs> you're, you're saying you passed your prime? Oh, yeah. For that, for sure. But, so, I mean, I, I intend to, like, take it serious. I talk to my coach almost every day. Yeah. Do you find that these disciplines of mixed martial arts um, – do they help you clear your mind to where you're fo when you do want to go focus on your task at hand, which is usually in the sporting dog training and running and testing world? 
Does it help you focus more on that being in shape and having a clear mind because of the disciplines of mixed martial arts and, and karate and, and different taekwondos? Okay. So I come from the sporting clay world where my coach is a mental management coach with the Laney Bassam program. And he does not just shooting, but he also coaches business. So I had been in a really strenuous, like daily exercise challenge with that. And then when I changed from sporting clays and jumped right into the dogs, I lost it. And I, I just started feeling like the void of not having that in my life every day. And so when Tater got involved with um, her type quote um, in her Taekwondo class, I was like, well, that's something that I want to do. I kind of got hooked on it. And then I just, I just went to him one day and I was like, okay, I really want to get serious because the things that I can get from your training are going to overlap into my competition world and just being on the fly and having to think, you know, in a second and the reflexes and everything, it's all the same. So like the speed bag and just the pushing of my private class really is, um, is going to help me when hunting season turns around for sure. When you, you say Tater, I assume this is your daughter. How did she get the name Tater? Are you a big Ron White fan or did you, is did she just <laughs> love French fries or something? She was born on Thanksgiving day and it started out sweet Tater and then it dropped to Tater. And then when she was three, she got a bird dog and she decided she was bird dog Tater. So now she's bird dog Tater on Instagram and she's got big dreams. Are you married? No. Are you a type A personality? Yes. So are you pretty like goal oriented? It sounds like you're very goal oriented and driven. And are you easy to get along with? Are you a sweet girl too? Or are you really like, do you have this rough exterior because of this mindset? I didn't know I had a rough exterior. I didn't say you did. I asked you, do you, are you saying that you're kind of rough um, and, and, you're kind of a boss woman. I mean, I'm trying to figure out your personality. Are you a boss woman? Definitely a team player, but I'm an adrenaline junkie. So I guess being a team player, but having those interests, sometimes I find myself the only female. Well, maybe a lot of times I find myself the only female. <laughs> but you say that like, that's not necessarily a negative thing. That means that you're doing it, right? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, we've had that conversation, too. Yeah, I mean, I probably live a life that a lot of men would be jealous of, for sure. But, I mean, it's there for the taking, right? Anybody can do it. You just got to decide that's what you're going to do. Yeah. Tell me more. Uh, educate me in business. And let me graduate from your business management or your small business, or I don't know if it's a communications course. I don't know if it's management or finances. Um, just talk to me a little bit about how you, how you kind of derive all of these mindsets. Are you educated in business? You talk a lot about, uh, you know, about the mindset of being able to go in and, and, you know, drive a brand or drive an idea or, you know, keep your focus on that. We, I want to go back to the mixed martial arts and how it plays a role in that. But do you have a lot of background in business education? Because you seem to know what you're talking about. No, I went to school 
for design and I wanted to build houses because that's what my family did. And so that's what I went to school for. And I guess I was this big redneck kid. So my mom thought it would be a good idea that I went to a private women's college, but that kind of backfired. And then um, I actually, well, I, I went into the industry and loved it. But then in 08, when the market crashed, I ended up um, going back to school, doing uh, my master's in special education. My mom had been at the school system for forever. And anyways, just through referrals or whatever, they're like, well, just, you know, this would be a great job for you. So needless to say, my, um, I guess, uh, outspoken opinions didn't fit well in public school education. So... I almost finished grad school, but I quit and I started shooting and then the rest is history. Do you regret quitting grad school? No, I regret ever starting. <laughs> Do you really? Yeah. Wouldn't it be cool to say you have a master? Do you have a master's? You said, no, I'm not going to go back and finish that. That is a waste of my time. So you wouldn't it be cool? Dog. Not what? doing that. I'm not, I'm not sacrificing hunting season to go finish a piece of paper. <laughs> no, thanks. But wouldn't it be something to have a master's in the education? No, no way. What about no. business? Um, the time and the effort. I just, I can't carve it out right now. I'm not going to miss like time with my girls or time in the field or no, I can't really see. I mean, a piece of paper in our world where you create your own destiny is a self goal. Like, that was something that you would have to want as a personal goal. And it's just not one of mine. I've never had regret walking away from my master's. So talk to me a little bit about my question. I want to rephrase it. Like, I want you to teach me about your, you, you seem to have a business mindset. I know that you might have a design or an architecture background. Your family built homes. You went to school um, for education. Draw, you, you quit going to school. You got into the, the shooting industry. You got into yeah. sporting clays. You got into hunting dogs, sporting dogs. How does how does that? I want to know how it fulfills you because you're you're driving. Are you driving the Anavi brand, or are you designing like different ways to become a better dog trainer? I'm trying to figure out how your past is fitting in to your present right now. Like, how are you taking what you've in, encountered in your schooling, your education, your family, your upbringing and all that? Is it full? Is it fulfilling you right now? Or are you striving for more? Because you seem like a very, very driven girl. Well, I mean, I guess I would have been happy staying in the construction world, but only if I hadn't have known what I could have had that I do have in the moment, right? So if this had never happened or I, I can't say that I would leave this to go back there. So yeah, if that had worked out and we hadn't have had the recession and all that, I probably would have been very successful and happy and still in Georgia, right? But um I just feel like that maybe sometimes in life we have our person, our own personal goals that we set and maybe we don't really seek God's purpose. And then, you know, something comes along and, and through your journey, you're building that characteristic and the, the skills that you need 
for his purpose, right? Because I don't have anybody in my family that's a bird dog or nobody had bird dogs. Nobody was a shotgun shooter. You know, I'm the first one. So um, with the success that I've experienced, you know, in the field or on the clay course and the connections I've had, the mentors, like the incredible, I've had the most incredible mentors you could ever ask for. Like, I just honestly think it was a God thing. So every day, like I just get up and I'm grateful. Like uh, the saying in our family is, you know, every day you live with a humble, grateful heart. And in that day, you're going to make the best decisions you can with the knowledge that you possess. And when you look back, you will have confidence in that. And you'll know that in the moment that you have no regrets. So I just literally live every day like that. And, and my life has been, you know, kind of a circus doing all these different things. But now I feel so relatable to my clients, whether it's a shooting client or a dog client. Um, you know, I've, I've been able to do a lot of different things and experience a lot of different things. So I just use it to build relationships and common ground. Do you, when you start talking about being a woman and what you're doing right now, and you start talking about, it's a God thing. Are you saying that your, your religion you're a religious person and you owe it all to the man upstairs. Or are you saying that you put your, you put it all in God's hands and whatever happens is going to happen, but you're going to continue to be the best person that you possibly can be. I'm trying to figure out how the religion plays into your success and, and your driven attitude and focus and mentality, because I love it. And I think that it's a very good story and a very good um, level for a young girl like my daughter's 10. I, I want her to be driven. I want her to know that she can accomplish things. I want to make sure that I understand how you're going about your accomplishments, though. Do you live for the Lord every day and it's all in his hands? And you just are doing what you think the path you're supposed to be doing is, or tell me how that all goes, goes together. Like, are you driven and you pray to the Lord that everything keeps going? Or are you just saying it's in his hands and he's going to put you in the places you need to be put in? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, you have to have a balance in this, you know, like I don't just sit around the house and think that things are going to just fall in my lap. But in the, in the same sense, you know, there. I do make decisions every single day on my own to put my heart and soul into a direction, you know, whether it be a shooting project or a dog project or prepping to run a tournament or an event or whatever. And I just, I just have faith that if it's supposed to happen, it will. And if I'm supposed to go in a different direction, then that door will close. And I just literally walk in faith that, what's meant to be will happen. And I just give 150% every day. I love it. It's kind of cool yeah. to hear. It's really cool to hear. How do the dogs I keep it like, don't overcomplicate this. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not overcomplicated. I'm just trying to figure out, you know, how you make your way in this world because life is tough and you sitting here saying, keep it simple. Well, to me, life isn't simple. Keeping it simple and life being simple are two completely different sentences completely different animals i get that but it's when you start getting so much on your plate and you're trying to accomplish something every day sometimes simplicity goes away things get hectic stress comes about goals are there but so are deadlines you have to 
do what you love and have passion for it, but you also have to put food on the table for your two kids. You have to create revenue streams. You have to have a livelihood, right? So like all of that together, that is not simple to me. I don't think that life is simple. I don't think that we can go through life going through the motions, which I understand you live through that analogy too. But what is, what is, do the dogs keep you grounded or is it the spiritual part of your life that keeps you grounded? Is it the MMA focus that keeps you grounded? How can you keep it simple? Oh, it's definitely the spiritual part that keeps you grounded. There's no way that MMA is going to keep you grounded. That's just going to hype you up. But I mean, in our gym, our culture, I mean, not that people have elevated egos. I haven't really been around those people, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the thing that especially Tater and I talk about is that I share with her, you know, if our, our purpose is to walk in this bird dog life and create this career and we're literally creating it as, as a journey, you know, we've talked about my personal goals and stuff. And, um, you know, I just tell her sometimes, you know, the only Jesus people may see is you through your dogs. So you just got to make sure that every single day that you're proud of, of who you are. And we just live by that. Like we keep that part of our life simple and we protect our inner circle and who's in our life. And, you know, like, you know how it is when you run wide open like that, you don't have a whole lot of extra time. So I prioritize my personal goals and then our family and our friend circles really close and small. And we really maximize and enjoy our life. And that's what I mean by keeping it simple. You're right. Like the business aspect of life is always going to get messy and complicated and deadlines overlap and all that stuff. Or heck, like your internet doesn't work. Right. I mean, we've experienced it all, but life is what you make of it. And I don't have a complicated, chaotic personality to attract that in my personal life. So being the woman that you are and knowing what you want to achieve in life, what are some of the things that you would not want your daughter to know? Or are you an open book? Is everything like, is everything there for her taking of your past and your story the the triumphs, the tribulations, but also the mistakes, the agony, the pain, the heartbreak. Does she understand that life is not always a bed of roses and that just because mom is smiling every day because the dogs are happy and you guys are getting ribbons and trophies and your dogs are healthy and happy, does she know that that there are other parts of life that she's going to endure? My question comes from a place of parenting also of how do you get them ready for that? Because it seems to me like life is full of that. It's not always happiness. There are going to be all of those, what I mentioned that happen. Do you, do you tell her all of that, Anna? And do you let her be a part of your, your failures in your past as well? Oh, how tater for sure. Well, not as much because she's seven, but my oldest daughter, JC has, she's been through everything and, um, she turned 19 yesterday. She's in college. She's a sophomore and she's trailblazing her own life, um, making her way. And she has to ride those roller coasters. And so I share everything with her because I told, I mean, I just told her, I didn't make these mistakes for nothing. Like, you know, my mom's generation, I, I don't know. She just. She always had it together. Everything was perfect. And and then life just kicked my ass for a while. 
you know, she didn't, she didn't warn me in my early twenties, what life was going to be like and all this stuff. And so as JC's entering that, I, I definitely give her advice and I just try to propose this to her where she makes the best decision that she can for herself. But I did that all through her teenage years. So, you know, I just kind of prepped her saying, you know, you were raised right. And so it's on you pretty much like, you know, you're, I'm always here, of course. And, you know, and just reach for the stars at her, at her age. There's, there's not that many mistakes that she could make that we couldn't bail her out of. So, I mean, she's a really responsible kid and she's trailblazing her own thing. She's really involved with Ducks Unlimited in Georgia and um, at her college campus. And she's a hunter on her own with her college buddies and stuff. So, you know, she's in the industry in a different way and she has her eyes set on policy and conservation and, DC and all that stuff, which I, I don't care anything about, um, being there in, in the trenches and that. So I'm, I just cheer her on and let her blaze her own trail. When you start talking about being a woman and her going into that s- stage and you mentioned that the life kicked your ass when you were that age, going into your early twenties, what is the, the climate for women in, um, in the world right now, both in, business life as a whole you're in a uh, a sector that might be looked upon as being a man's club a boys club right like hunting has probably always had that reputation um hunting camps lodges the, the dog training world there's lots of women involved in it but for years it was looked at as a boys club almost i don't know if you agree with that or not but a lot of the hunting camps i've been around there's very few seldomly seen women around them. Um, what is the climate like? Is it, is it fair? Is it good to be a woman in America right now? I mean, I know that that sounds like a tacky question, but you, you're, you're, you're very well spoken on, on the ups and downs of life and fulfillment in life and everything that comes with this thing we call life. And it can be a crazy ride. What is it like for, to be a woman right now during this part of our, history i mean how about the fact that i don't even think about that i don't i don't sit back and i don't think about i mean there's tournaments that we go to like the last one we went to in iowa we were on our way home and i said holy smokes i was the only female that competed and it never dawned on me for two full days of running from field to field and all stuff i never even pay attention anymore like the guys are nice and they they accept me and they support me and they encourage me. And I don't, I don't have any issues and I really haven't. I mean, I've been treated, I guess, like a bro from the beginning. And I'm so appreciative of that. Um, that nobody ever really questioned to my face, of course, you know, my skill level or what I could do or treated me as an outsider. So I can't say that I've ever had that experience to even comment on it. Hmm. I'm, I'm a big fan of, you know, hunting with the guys. And I tell all my girlfriends, like, if you get the opportunity, they're the ones that will probably teach you the most. And what have you been taught by guys when it comes to, have you been taught everything you know about bird dogs or hunting by males? Or has there been yeah. any female mentorship in your life for it? Oh, I've tried to seek out female mentorships, but 
What are you doing? Why are you moving around? Are you slipping and sliding? I don't know. On I don't, no. Um, I, it's never, it's never worked out. I've never been able to build like a longevity, like, I don't know, mentorship with another female. Why? I don't know. I wonder if I just run too wide open or something. Are you a threat to other women? <laughs> well, I, how would I know that? I don't know. I don't you're, know you're, 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 you're of the age that you've had enough experiences in your professional life. And you just admitted that you haven't had a long time mentorship or business relationship, I assume with a woman. So like, is there something there in our industry, you know? And so like, wait, the, say that, start that again. You broke up at the beginning. What was the first part of that? I don't think that there's enough women to judge by that. You know, there's not a large number of women that are in this industry that have been there for a long time that aren't consumed with their own careers. So, I I mean, I don't take it personal. It's, you know, everybody's busy in this dog world. It's a constant demand from the time your feet hit the floor in the morning until they, you know, until you crash at night. So I don't think it's personal. Hmm. I would, I have female bird dog friends, a lot of them scattered all across the country. But it's like we talk and then we might go a while without talking. But as soon as we reconnect, it's just like we never stopped. So what do you do for it? What do you do for a living? What is your title? Are you a professional bird dogger? (laughs) What what would your title be? Dogs. So overlapping with wing shooting and dogs like, I will always be a shooter. That's what got me started. But my heart's always wanted to be a bird dogger. So I decided to build a kennel this winter. And I sold my house and I moved and I built a kennel. In Wisconsin? No, no. My boyfriend's place is in Wisconsin. I'm in Georgia. You're in Georgia. So you just go up to Wisconsin part-time to train? Yeah. And is that because this time of year it's so hot in Georgia that the, the cooler temperatures are easier on the dogs up there? Oh, yeah. I was talking with somebody that's not too far from me this morning. They they were talking about how lucky we are up here. But, I mean, it's still hot here, but it's not the same. Yeah, totally different. And the so humidity is a lot different. But all through the summer, like, people do it. I just don't have to. You don't have to. So. <laughs> yeah. On to the shooting part of your career. Do you think you could outshoot me? I don't know. Like, maybe I'm not that competitive about it. Well, I'm talking about on the sporting clays course. Wouldn't you have to be competitive to go on the course? I would say doubtful. I haven't shot a sporting clay course in probably two years. So what do you do? What do you you ski? You do five stand? Are you just talking wing shooting, birds? Just wing shooting. I have a great mech machine with a remote, and I just put it in the training field. Okay. And so what about like an actual quail hunt or are you good with the adrenaline part of it? And when the dogs go on point and the heart rate and all that, are you, are you pretty confident with your gun? Do you shoot an over under or do you shoot a, what's that? I live for that. You do. Okay. So if I'm bird hunting, wild bird hunting or plantation style, whatever, I shoot a side by side. I really love a double barrel, but like in our competition tournaments where we hunt, it's planted birds. You're hunting 
on the clock, you got to shoot the least amount of shells in the fastest amount of time, bag the most birds. That's what I love. So, so, so give me an idea of what you mean. You got to shoot the, the bring sh- your dog on. We'll just do a little fun tournament. Tell me what it is again. You got to shoot the most birds with the least amount of shells and the least amount of time. What was it? Yeah. So we run BDC. So there's five birds planted. Typically it's, it's most time it's a chucker. And you go to the gate and clock starts and your dog, whether you're flushing or pointing, they have separate divisions. Um, you got to find all five of your birds, bag your birds, shoot them in the, with the least amount of shells and the quickest amount of time. And that's who wins. So there's five birds possible. You want to go out. You don't want to double on any of them. You're not going to kill probably two with one shell because they're probably not planted no. that close together. So you want to kill five chucker with five shells and in the, in you're depending on your dog to sniff them out and point them as fast as you can. So it's the dog and the talent of the shooter. That's going to win you the title that day. Correct. Oh, I'm coming then. It's so fun. It sounds fun. It is the best thing ever. And like, you know, for us that have such a personal relationship with our dog, it is fun to wild bird hunt and do all that stuff with your dog and everything. But when you're in the field and you're on the clock and you have to be like the best teammates ever, neither one of you can make a mistake. I mean, people live for this. This is not just show up on the weekend. People literally train five days a week to come to these tournaments and they've been doing it for years. I mean, the camaraderie and everything, the support that the BDC has is just incredible. Um, you know, everybody's cut throat during the day and everybody's hanging out together at night and it is just, it's like a, it's literally like the BDC family. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just absolutely love it. What about real bird? What about real hunting and wild birds? Do you do a lot of this? Um, I do try to get out there um, several times a year. Last year, did a lot of grouse hunting. That was a lot of fun, getting my pointers in the grouse woods. Where's that? Is that mainly like Michigan and w- w- that part of the country? Where are you hunting grouse at mainly? Oh, we can hunt grouse here in Wisconsin, like 15 minutes from the kennel. So, yeah, like Wisconsin, that area, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, all that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I really loved it. It's, it's – um, a lot like quail hunting to me i mean the birds are fast and everything but it's a different terrain which makes it way more complicated it was new for my dog so that was a new challenge um yeah i had a i hunted all season and then i finally and i went forever and could not get in the right position as soon as you see a bird it's behind a tree or something i mean just like the craziest things happen you end up with the best stories at the end of the day and then in one afternoon and like an hour and a half i bagged three birds i mean go figure it's pretty strong do you ever do you ever get after waterfowl do you like to have a decoy spread and call ducks in or anything i mean there's some pretty good waterfowl hunting in wisconsin also oh yeah so i got introduced to that last year with um especially like goose hunting because it was real social so yeah, and this year I've got my oldest lab. She's going to be ready. I want to take Littles. We're going to see what she can do. On yeah. a goose hunt? Yeah. Mainly Canada geese? Yes. Are you learning how to operate a Canada goose call yet? No. Can you call them with your mouth? 
I can't even whistle. I guess if there was any little crazy skill that I could ever have that I never could conquer, it would be whistling. A bird dogger needs to know how to whistle. I can't do it. Try to do a goose. Arr, arr, arr. We left we left this big horse show in um in Ohio a couple of years ago. Me and JC did. And we were driving back to Georgia and she can't whistle either. So we pulled up on YouTube like 15 videos teach us to whistle. And we just gave up. It didn't just work. didn't happen. No. So we have really good whistles. They're everywhere. <laughs> we stack everywhere. So we can't depend on ourselves. I like it. When you s- talk about the ethics of a caller for me, to me, if people understood what we were trying to accomplish with these dogs, give me your mentality about does an ill-mannered, ill-trained dog bug you? Is it a pet peeve of you? Do you have patience for it? I'm probably self-admittingly that I don't anymore. I can't, <laughs> I, I can't handle it. I don't like it. It gives me anxiety. It's almost like if it's not my dogs, I don't want them around kind of attitude, which I think is wrong. I don't know if it's that wrong. Is so snobby. You've got to take that back. I don't think it's snobby. Are you kidding? If it's not your dog, you don't want them around. I'm not saying if it's not my dog. I'm saying if it's not trained, I should have said if it's not trained like my dogs or of the same like caliber caliber of uh, that's what I mean. I mean, I, I'm not saying that if I was with you, I wouldn't want to hunt with your dogs. I didn't mean it that way. I hunt with tons of different dogs that aren't owned by me. I'm saying that if somebody wants to bring a dog and it's in the blind with me and it's whining or whimpering the whole time or breaking the whole time or just not doing things that I'm accustomed to. I know it's not the dog's fault, so it's hard to hate on the dog, but I have run out of patience. My fuse is really short with them, I should say, or my my meter of of patience with them. I don't know if you're like that when you're around dogs that aren't of the caliber uh, of the ones you're used to being around. This is a soapbox. Okay, so people don't understand the process of making a decision to purchase a dog. And that's where things go wrong. They, you know, they pick a breed, but they don't understand the genetics within the breed. They don't understand researching the breeder and building a relationship to make sure that the lifestyle and the expectation of the level of training, um, that they're going to invest in their dog matches the genetics that they purchase, you know? And so, I guess too many people are um, either going off a referral of somebody that may not match the same lifestyle or they're making an impulse purchase. They just don't know better. So, you know, when you see that happening, you just want to help people. You want to help them understand. You want to help them build a better relationship because they, they just, they don't get it. They don't, they don't even understand the potential that their dog may have by allowing that behavior. Okay, so you're going to so end you this. Take Ben out and and not be so annoyed, but have that humble, grateful heart. Come on, Chad, and say these people just don't know what is out there and what is available for them. They don't understand the level of success that they could enjoy with their dog, you know. But then on this, the flip side, like a champion is in the eye of the beholder. So some people don't value ribbons and titles. You know, they just want that dog that's <laughs> going to ride a shotgun and hang their head out the window and 
bark at everybody on the sidewalk and they're going to laugh about it, you know? So, you know, you just have to, you just can't judge people. It's like, if there's somebody there and they have a dog and they want help because they want to maximize the potential of their dog, then you want to help them. Or you want to match people to the proper genetics that will benefit them with the lifestyle that they have. You know, that's just really the way that you got to look at it. So in so many words, it does bug you when people bring dogs around that aren't trained as good as yours. Go ahead. You can tell me that now. (laughs) (laughs) Nice political answer. You should run for office. I'm not being political. (laughs) I'm never politically correct. But I've just learned that. And so, you know, there was a time where I'd be like, man, you know, what in the world are they going to do with this? Like, I've got short hairs that I've walked through numerous hotels and they have like horrible reputation, you know of being spastic and everything else. But I don't know. I just, I really think that it comes to the fact that people just aren't educated properly before they get attached to a dog that may not have been the best fit and they make the best situation of what they have. Okay. So let me ask you this. Hold on. Like you have to celebrate it. I, I, I like the idea of celebrating it, but no matter if it's not from a good bloodline, there are still things you can do to get them on this, the right path. Do you have patience for a dog owner that hasn't taken the right moves or made the right moves or calls to whether it's disposition or obedience or whatever we're talking about, the simple things? I think that we owe it to a dog to make sure that that dog, male or female, is trained to the best of their ability. And whether you're self-training, which is tough because life takes over and it's hard to do put in the hours that it actually takes to break a dog or get a dog to get to that level of, of training maturity, I guess you would call it. I'm not saying that every dog's got to be a master hunter. I'm not saying that they've ever got to see a ribbon in their life, but I'm talking about, but I'm talking about that dog being able to live up to the potential of that dog. You, you're, you're telling me that it's okay to celebrate that when it's, when they don't take those measurements. Well, but you just like, you just can't go around just like, judging it all the time like okay so regardless if they have the ribbon or not they still have to have the skills what you're saying right so maybe they don't actually campaign the dog but it still needs to be put through the program that's what you're saying yeah but people don't even know that program exists is what i'm saying like they get a dog and they just say like we just want to go well burn on five times a year well it's going to be hard for them to justify And I won't say the cost of it. I will say it's hard for those pet owners that are so emotionally dependent on their dog to send their dog away for that period of time. Okay. So, you know, so you just can't, you just can't take it personal. Like that's one of those things about simplifying life we were talking about, like, their dog and their relationship with their dog and their chaoticness in their life really doesn't affect mine. So, you know what, if that makes them happy, more power to them. But the tools and the information is laid out there. If they ever decide they want more. Okay. Well, you're looking at it from the humanistic point of it. I'm looking at it from the dog's point of it of, I would want to have the, the opportunity to be the best I could be, whether or not that dog knows it or not, there's still a right way to hunt, a right way not to break a right way, not to whimper in a blind. All of that stuff can be taken care of. Um, That's all I'm saying is that we owe it to the dog. It's the human side of it, but the dog is also sitting there saying, man, I 
I want to be the best I can be for my owner. And if they're not getting that opportunity and they are putting in being put into unsafe position, you know, there's a lot of safety things that come into this too, right? Whether it's a blind oh. <laughs> retrieve with on a farm road and a guy's going 90 down it in his freaking Ford F-150 and the dog just runs off or whether it's a, a water situation or whether it's a braking situation with live rounds and a gun. I mean, a safety plays a big role in this. So those got those dog owners that you're talking about that you're not judging, I'm not judging either. I'm simply saying, what if i mean if that dog's trained properly those what ifs go down drastically is that fair to say anna v oh my gosh well that's 100 percent. and you know the the collar controversy people are overlooking that that's the best insurance they could ever have is collar conditioning well let's talk let's talk about that what do you mean insurance well because if you're going to go at a distance that a check cord can't handle then how else are you going to have control over your dog for your to make a decision for your dog when your dog can't make the decision for itself? Right? It can't see the train wreck coming as a dog. So how are you supposed to handle your dog at those distances if you don't have collar control? Right? So collar conditioning is imperative. Like as soon as the dog is mature enough to be collar conditioned, it's going to happen if a dog comes through my program. Okay. And you know, to get back about the dog behavior, well, I got one of those labs on my trailer right now. And I won't call out my friend who got this dog, but they just got this big motor lab that they just love so much and they just want some obedience on them. But I know that that dog wants to hunt. I know it. He sits here when we're doing our obedience drills and he watches all the other dogs do their water work. And so, yeah, I'm with you on you know, seeing the personalities and the drive of the dog and what they, they can excel at doing and seeing that the decision of the dog owner may not align with that. So I give her heck all the time. I'm like, but you're your dog's a, you better be picking up a shotgun because if <laughs> I may not bring your dog back to you until he's a hunter. <laughs> you're judging <laughs> you know, her then. Anybody, but you're, she's a friend of mine. Anna, so. you're judging her. I'm, oh, I, Am I judging her? I guess you're, you're not letting her live her life. You're not letting her be. You're on your soapbox telling her you need to get a shotgun because this dog needs to be a hunter. That's was my point yeah. from the very beginning. Got it from the dog perspective. Yeah. I mean, it's a two-edged sword for sure. But if people are out there hunting with their dog and enjoying their dog, I mean, of course, like we understand the benefits of having a finished dog, but not everybody does. So, you know, and so, yeah. Just you kind of got to let people float their own boat. But then there are people that you are invested in that, you know, and you see potential there. And so you want to make sure that they recognize it when they don't know the difference. And going back to what you called collar conditioning, there's a couple different words to use with a collar. Collar training, okay. collar conditioning, um, collar awareness. Like, give me the uh, your your mindset when you're training. Um, when the collar goes on and that dog knows that that collar's on and he or she starts acting right, you know, they might not be healing right. They might be goofing around a little bit. They might be letting their, you know, let, have an ADD a little bit. That collar goes on. What does that become right there once that collar's on him or her? Yeah, well, there's a Steven get to that point that we haven't discussed. So- you know, me coming from the pointer side, um, I use a command lead that's part of the Hunt Smith program. And I, I really love the attention that that um, tool 
gives us. So what it does is by using, it's, it's a type of lead that's like a cowboy tool. And um, it's really popular in the pointing world. So you keep a dog at a close distance. Like they're typically like six or eight foot long. So a dog is taught skills, right? And, and you're giving them cues, whether it's a verbal or a nonverbal. There's two different ways of, of training with that as well. So once that dog is cued for a certain command, if it doesn't react, then, you know, it's a pull and release correction. So once it's mastered at that distance, then you move to the 20 foot check cord and you give the dog a greater distance to make the right decision, right? So you give the dog a command and if it makes the right decision, then you celebrate it. If, if you don't, then you've got the check cord, right? To reinforce and cue the dog for the command again. So you go through that process. And then once the dog has mastered at a 20 foot check cord distance, you know, you're not going to hunt there. That's not your range. So then you move up and you, you overlap these things with the collar. So then you add the collar to the check cord. And so there's this big, long process that happens over time. So when people don't understand why their dog has to go to the trainer for so long is because to do things right, it just takes time. It doesn't matter what it is, but especially in dog training. So then you get your collar conditioned dog that understands when you're using the collar and stem that, that you're reinforcing a cue at a greater distance. So you keep it simple. Keep it simple, but the foundation and the mindset of collar awareness, collar conditioning, collar training, you're saying that is 100% ethical and the best thing for a dog owner to know that they have that in their repertoire. That's a big insurance policy that once that collar's on, that dog is in, is in good hands. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what's your other option? A hope There's, and a prayer. Your dog's going to make the right decision when it knows it's free and you have no recourse. Like you have no way of bringing accountability to that dog for not obeying a cue. So as far as the actual caller, we're talking, you know, dog trips who were brought by today. I know you work with dog I do too. I absolutely love the TNB duel. And then I also like the, um, the 1900. That's what I use the 1900 day in and day out. Do you ever use the double? No, I, I compete with my um, TMB dual. I just absolutely love it. And then, you know, with the, the beeper and stuff, when you're traveling in the dark, you know, if you don't put a light on it, that beeper, there's a locator is amazing. So yeah, I love that. What about the actual part of the, the caller doing its job with the tick or the constant? Are you, can you explain to somebody that comes to your kennel and says, okay, well, are they going to be in pain? Is it going to hurt them? Almost like a mom saying, you know, her kid's about to get asthma, you know, allergy shots or something, you know, with the needles going into them. What would you tell somebody with a dog, what that dog is experiencing when it's time to get nicked or to feel what that collar does? Well, the, the level of stimulation is going to match the dog's decision to comply, right? 
hundred percent. Meaning that if he's so, really me- he or she's really messing up, there's going to be a lot higher level stimulation. But if it's a short act of ignorance or mistake, that's not that really big of a deal. You give them a little tick or a little bit less stimulation is what you're saying, right? Um, no, I always start small, but, but the, the underlying factor is not the actual stem. It's the foundation that you build up to that is the key factor. So if that foundation is laid out properly, then the level of stem should be very low. I mean, that's also going to be tolerant upon the dog's tolerance too. So when you say you can't just compare a number, right? Because if I am running a collar, which is one reason why I love the TMB Duel so much is because I have the short hairs and the labs going. So that way, if I'm, you know, got both of them going at one time or something, I use one, like the green collar for the short hairs and the orange collar for the labs, right? So you set your your stem settings. Well, typically the lab setting is going to be higher than the short hair just based on their physique, you know, they have more hair, you know, they're more tolerant because of just the way they're built. So that way, you you know, you make sure that you're using the, the right stem and you don't make mistakes like that because that really breaks your heart if that happened. But yeah, so am I answering your question? Because no, I really... I, I think that you're totally answering, and I think that it's a big deal for people to hear that this can be controlled and that it's not just a constant like shock that these dogs are experiencing and that it, you ha- you start small, you start with less, you can build the more if the dog calls upon it built on his or her skeleton or stature, muscle build or, or whatever, their adrenaline, whatever's going through them at the time, that can all be adjusted and complied with, but... I just want to make sure that people understand that collar training is very, very ethical. It's, it's not, you know, like you hear of people that would be hit their dog or do something that was more drastic. That was not fair to that animal at all. I'm trying to simply Anna V get out the message that collars, although sometimes looked at in a picture on your Instagram or on your book face or any of these other platforms of social media that people, Uh what? On my, I would always have a collar on my dog and a picture. And you know what? But there when are so, listen, hold on. Let me finish this real quick. And I understand what you're saying. I want you to finish. But there are yeah. there are companies out there. There are people in this industry. There are certain countries that look down on it that will say we will not allow a picture to be used in our marketing program because that dog has a collar on. And to me, it doesn't make any sense. It shows me kind of like a, a level of of understanding that hasn't quite got to them yet, that this is really the way a dog should be being trained. Well, if somebody wasn't collar conditioning a dog, I would question their program. But what are you doing to get a dog to comply? Because they have their own mind. They want to do what they want to do. So how are you getting them to conform? I mean, you know, that's what, I, I mean, I don't know. I can't say that my firecrackers would um, would just decide that my sweet talk was going to change their mind one day. <laughs> no <laughs> way. Work. No yeah. way. Do you know no of way. any? Do you know of programs out there that still don't train with callers? Are there still some that exist? You think? I think there's marketing that says they do. Ooh, well said. It's kind of you're a welcome. smart answer. Did you say you're welcome? Yeah. I didn't even say thank you. I know, but that. 
You're welcome. Well said. You're welcome. You're welcome. That was kind of arrogant. You're welcome. Not arrogant, just sassy. Come on. Sa- Georgia sass. Georgia sass <laughs> up in the cheese state. Are you eating cheese curds every day up there? Not every day, but I have my favorite spots. Why, you just like stop into a little store on the side of a, a country road and grab some curds? No, like the corner bars. You got you know where the good ones are. So, so yeah. when you find the corner bars. Taking the farm truck with a dog ride shotgun down to the corner bar to get a to get curds to go. Yep. Total guilty of that. Oh, I love that lifestyle. So do you also attend a Friday night fish fry in Wisconsin? Because I've been to lots of oh. them in that state. Yeah, but I'm really picky about that too. Why? Because you're from Georgia and you know how to fry a crappie or what? Well, they don't eat it. No, I don't. I don't. I don't really batter. I, I don't know. There's just one place down the road that's my favorite. So that's where I end up usually. What's it called? You want to give them a little prop shout out on here or what? It's called Homestead in Wausau. Actually, I think it might be Nutterville. In Nutterville. On Highway 52. So will you go there this Friday? Is this like a, a weekly tradition? No, this weekend I think you'll be hunt testing. Here. You'll be on the road? Yeah. Do you like the Wisconsin lifestyle? I absolutely do. And if somebody had told me that I would want to be here all the time before I came here, I would have never believed them. But I think the things that I took pride in at home is on steroids here. So it's dairy country and, you know, there's a lot more dirt roads here to ride and life's a slower pace here. Have you traded, yeah. have you traded your Braves and your Falcons jerseys for Green Bay Packers and, <laughs> never, and, and Milwaukee Brewers stuff? Are you a sports girl? At I all? Never, no. Who has time for that? Those are days we are running bird dog tournaments. Oh, come on. You like to sit down and relax. It's like I'm not anti-sports. It's just not a priority for me. And if I wasn't running dogs on the weekend and there was a ball game, I would probably still not be watching the ball game. <laughs> Even if it was a tailgate party and a live Packers game at, at, at Lambeau on a snow day, you wouldn't go watch Brett Rogers or J- what's his name? Fred Rogers, uh, Eric. What is his name? But- Go to the stadium to a restaurant. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. <clears throat> but about three or four weeks ago, I was there eating, passing through. Something else that is very famous. I believe that Milwaukee has more bars per capita than any other city in America. Beer is very famous in Milwaukee. Are you a beer girl? Do you enjoy a cold beer while you're up there after a long day of dog training? And which one do you prefer, Bud Light? <laughs> Bud Light. You better say Bud Light. You better say Bud Light. <laughs> okay, honestly, yes. I probably am, am the biggest beer drinking fan of anybody at this kennel. Um, but my favorite, which I cannot find on a regular basis, is a red ale. Red ale. Mm-hmm. Do you and drink, like, I don't even know a brand. How many days a week with the summertime, with it reaching 9, 85, 90 degrees up there, do you drink a cold beer being a, a bird dogger? Okay, so that is opposite too. Okay, so when I first started, all the old guys, they drank beer every day with their dogs. And so that was like the culture. It's like, 
well, we're going to do our dog tours and drink cold beer. I mean, that's just the way that it is in Georgia. Everybody has a cooler in the back of their truck and all that stuff, but nobody does that here. I don't, I don't know anybody that comes around here that has beer in their truck all the time. And I think that's so weird considering that like, this is like the beer place, right? So I actually enjoy drinking beer with the dogs when it's like in the forties. <laughs> Different. Ooh, I don't know. Like it, that put, makes it colder. It's just better. So if you have to drink a domestic beer, I know which beer is really popular up there. I mean, the baseball stadium's named after it in Milwaukee. I, What's that? I don't know what that is. I do, but I'm not going to say it on here. But what domestic beer do you like besides Red L? Do you like? Are you a Keystone girl? Are you a Natty Light girl? Are you a Bush Latte girl? Bush Latte's big up there. You know, they call Bush Lights Bush Lattes in Wisconsin and the Dakotas. I lot, but I typically would just get a Coors in the bottle. A Bud Light in the bottle. <laughs> sure you know what we ought to do and i think i should have you on here maybe once or twice a month and we just come up with our own little podcast series of of life goes on or uh days of our lives with anna v well like i'm not saying your life's a soap opera so don't please please don't take it that way but i think i think that you could i think you could keep us posted and I think you could keep us posted and updated on hunting, on dogs, women in the outdoors, your shooting experiences, um, how your guns would, are patterning. Like, you know, the time. Okay, how about let's talk about women in the outdoors? Wait, how but did about you say? Did you say you would love to? Yeah, because we need to recruit more women in the outdoors. I just sat there and said I went to Iowa last month. I was the only female that shot. Well, I went to Nebraska a while back, a couple of years ago, something like that. Drove two days out there to go do a, uh, a team tournament where you hunt wild birds. These things are so fun. Guess what? Drive all the way out there. There's like 130 hunters. I'm the only woman hunting on a team. I'm like, where are these chicks? Like, this stuff is fun. Where are they? Okay, so let's do know. it. Let's let's talk. We are going to announce right now that we are going to bring the Foul Life podcast, Days of Our Lives. I'm going to come up with a clever title with Anna V. Um, okay. It's going to be... It's going to be geared towards how awesome this lifestyle is for both women and men and kids, all everybody to enjoy together. And let's get more women out there, not afraid of guns, enthusiastic about dogs and dog training and collar conditioning, shooting shotguns and rifles and handguns. We'll talk self-defense. We'll talk home defense, family defense. We'll talk about confidence with firearms. I want you to start bringing it. So your homework assignment, your homework assignment is to text me an itinerary, okay. uh, an agenda for our next okay. podcast. We will bring back Anna every couple weeks on her on a foul life formatted podcast with Chad and Anna. Maybe we'll even say with Anna and Chad because my name is easier to rhyme with Anna Banana. I guess it's not that yep. hard. We can do that. <laughs> could do that all day that's anna v she's a badass she has so much to say i'm very interested in this girl and her life i guess she's a woman now you don't look how old are you do you is that a bad question to ask a woman terrible question okay well i can say this i've got a sophomore in college and i promise i didn't have her when i was 10 how about that <laughs> i've i've been doing podcasting for a long time and that's the first time in my life i've ever heard that that's a terrible question i'm gonna come i'm gonna come unglued on you someday 
Okay. Well, okay. So we're going to do this and, and I'm going to teach all about middle management and why I feel it is so important and how every clinic that I have, I spend 50% of the time discussing why that is so important. And, you know, if a client comes to me and they only shoot with me one time, I'm going to make sure that they have skills that they attained that day that will last a lifetime. And that is just so important to me. And, and somebody invested in me like that. And I just feel like that's one thing that I can put out. And then, you know, the, the attitude of just positivity, it really does change your life. And so, yeah, there's so much to talk about, but we're going to do that. But one day, then we're going to roll reverse because I still have lots of questions about your story. And I think you get so caught up talking about other people and their story that maybe people want to know how you ended up getting your, you know, circus of a life. Maybe you can just integrate that into each of our episodes and we'll have like little segments of like, one minute with CB and then I'll tell a little bit about what I went through or what I've encountered or what I've endured or what I've accomplished or what I failed at, how I got my ass handed to me in so many different duck and goose calling contests, all of this stuff. I'll tell you anything you want to hear. I'm an open book. I'm very transparent. Anna V. I'm looking forward to our duos, our podcast. Maybe one day we'll Kenny Rogers, Dolly Parton up and sing islands in the stream. Cause that is what we are nowhere in between because we rely (laughs) on each other. Uh uh-uh. uh. Hey, I like you this know, idea. I would sing last time on the podcast we made that never got aired, but I denied. I think I, I declined that opportunity. Yeah, no. I'm not a. So I love music. I love music. So that'll be one of our segments too: is music and my opinion on country music of today and country music radio and what you think about it. And there's so many great concerts. I've been to Summer Jam several times in Milwaukee. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to. I'm going to Wisconsin this year to do an eight-day goose hunt. I've been planning that out all day today. I've been uh, rolling it out. We're going to be around Madison, and I'm going to have some great guests up there with us. Maybe you can come out and see if you can hit one of them. Yeah. All right, we're going to be back with Anna V. Y'all get ready for her. We're going to uh, we're going to strategize, and we're going to come up with a game plan. We're going to have a good agenda for our next podcast. Y'all can expect that. We're going to come up with a clever name for this. It's going to be brought to you by Dogtra a couple times a month. It might become, become a weekly series. We shall see. Oh, wait, there it is. We shall see with Anna V. Hmm, <laughs> might be it. Might come up with something better than that. That's my job. Thank you, Anna. You're the greatest. That's been another episode of the Fally Podcast. Today's episode, again, brought to you by our friends at Dogtra. Check them out. Train the dog the way he or she was intended to be trained. I'm telling you, it becomes a different level. And once you get there, you'll never go back. I promise you, Dogtra is there for hunters, canines, police dogs, military dogs, you name it. Dogtra has their name and their brand. They got a foot, they got a absolute grasp on the training of all of these dogs. I absolutely love what Dogtra stands for. Thank you, Dogtra, for supporting us. Tom, Jake, hit that button. This song is called My Foul Life by the rock band 2AM Logic. Anna V, be thinking about what song you want to end our podcast series. Like, is it a, she works hard for the money, so you better treat her 
her, right? That's Donna Summers. We could do the Pointer Sisters. We could do Girls Just Want to Have Fun by Cindy Lauper. There's a lot of them. Be thinking. Don't give it away today. It could be Stevie Nicks, Fleetwood Mac. It could be Heart. It could be Barracuda. Ooh, that might be a good one. Or it might be something about a dog. You might be something. You think about it, Anna V. We'll be back with her with several more podcasts. She's a boss woman. Thank you all very much for listening. Chad Belding, over and out. Oh,